0: Do you sit here? Should I sit there? Oh, no, we want you over there. We gave you that
1: one. That way you have nobody, you don't have to sit next to me and have me going like this when you're talking. People can just enjoy your wisdom without the uh, added baggage of my face. Well, hey everybody and welcome to the Debrief, a weekly Q&A show from your friends at Sandals Church and Pastor Matt Brown bringing real answers to tough questions. And for those of you guys on YouTube, welcome to what I believe they're now calling high definition. Yes. Is, that, is that
2: Like no. are we
1: in 4K <laughs> or something along those lines? Yeah. Yep. We got some new cameras in here that make it a little bit less fuzzy, so uh thank you for your generous support of the debrief show welcome to a whole new year hey i'm your host prd hanging out here with stephanie schaefer on my side of the table in her normal spot we've got well normally this is my side of the table and in your normal spot i was see i was going on a train you derailed the train (laughs) yes she did (laughs) exactly it's like hanging out the side of the train in india in stephanie's normal in stephanie's normal spot we've got tammy brown welcome to episode 101 because today we're talking about parenting so you're here alongside the pmb pastor my brown how are you
3: I'm good. I'm super glad Tammy's here um, because parenting is hard, and you need a team. And you guys are experts, from what I've been told. So <laughs> yeah. prepare, prepare for wisdom. Yeah. Right. Experimenters, yes we are. <laughs> yes we are. We
0: practice. It. We'll have the kids on the next episode. Yeah. Do oh, please don't. Uh, <laughs> please do.
1: <laughs> That's awesome, Stephanie. You are, are about to be with child. Will you, but, well, I am are you are. Are you with child? Is that how I'm that,
0: currently with child? I'm about to. Be a parent to a child. Have a child? Parenting's pretty easy right now. Okay. Yep. She just does whatever I do and she's very quiet. <laughs> That's good. So, yeah.
1: Do you have any questions before we get started about parenting that you just wanna do on your own? Just selfishly, because you're here as the the host. We're gonna get into all these other people's questions, but if you've got one, now's the moment. (laughs) Thank you, thank
0: you. I have no idea what to expect, so we'll just wing it.
1: There's actually (laughs) a book uh, that tells you what to expect. Oh yeah, your wife
0: actually gave me a copy. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: Such a great title, such a great title. Very clear. Well, this first question comes from Jesus. Jesus. Wow, no reviews, huh? Not this week. Not this week. We're had no five star no, we're, we're oh, we had no five-star reviews We had
0: five-star reviews, but <laughs> we, have we, have so no, we have so many questions. Oh, we have so many good questions on parenting. Oh, we're jumping yeah.
1: right into it. The first one is a follow-up question from our episode 100. Kim's from Jesus. Yes.
0: So Jesus says, Pastor Matt, during the Debrief 100 live episode, you took
1: a Which question. Which was super awesome, by the way. Shout out <laughs> yes. to everyone who came. It was so it really much fun. fun. Yeah, thanks, so. It was even better than Debrief 50.
0: We're really proud oh, of Matt sure. getting
2: through that with the flu and Dave and I know. answering yeah. some really tough questions.
1: Yeah, it was awesome.
2: Yeah, you did a good job. So this
0: is actually a follow-up to one of the questions that you took uh, that we got to take live on the show. I was from a mother who essentially asked you if you, her son's disability was a direct result of her sins or of sin's general effect on the world. Do you think children with disabilities will worship God in heaven as who they are with a disability? Or do you think that they will receive a new body in heaven? I ask this because I wonder from time to time if kids with disabilities have a unique way of honoring and glorifying God that they will carry with them into heaven.
3: Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly they... They have a unique way of honoring God um, on this earth, but no, there will be no disabilities in heaven. All things will be as they should. And um, um, I mean, the reality is, uh, I, I think I think it's fine to love your child as they are with whatever disability that they have, but the truth is what we want for them is to be whole and healed. And that's part of the new kingdom, the new heaven, the new earth is that all disabilities will be done with Um so um, every, every effect that sin has had on us emotionally, physically, psychologically, spiritually, all of those things will be annihilated by God. And so they no longer exist. And so God's creative power, his image and his influence will radiate on us just as it did in Jesus um, when he was on earth. And so uh, with the exception of our bodies will be more like his glorified body after the resurrection. So we will have... Uh, unique capabilities that we did not have um, before. So, hmm. so no, there won't be any disabled children um, in heaven. Um, they will be fully healed and whole um, as they were meant to be. So, um, yeah, that was a really, really challenging question, and um, I, I appreciate. Uh, I think it was uh, Amanda's mm-hmm. honesty and just um, you know her willingness to really, really share a very, very painful place. And I think a lot of parents, you know, we wonder, you know, what is our part on. Um, you know, the challenges that our children face. And, um, you know, I just think it's really, really important in those instances to trust God, to trust that God is going to be good, even in challenges and even in difficult uh, situations. The world is a beautiful place, but it is not perfect. And children, um, although loved perfectly in the eyes of God, don't come out genetically perfect. Uh, they have challenges, they have difficulties, and they have disabilities. And so our, our, our I think, call as Christians is to find um, the glory of God in the midst of that. And so um, that, that's my hope and prayer for Amanda and for all parents with kids that um, need, need a little more love and attention than other kids because they have challenges and they face things. Um, and, I, and I just think that, that that's just so important that as a church that we we do that. I, I think I mentioned the movie Wonder. Tammy and I watched that. I, I couldn't get through it without crying um, uh, because in that instance, the child is completely mentally um Um, I don't know if even normal is the right word. He's advanced, but he's physically challenged in Mm -hmm. many, many ways and almost died many times and looks very, very different. And so I think it's important as Christian parents, that you watch that movie with your kids and teach your kids to embrace and love people regardless of how they look. Um, And I just think that that's really, really important. Jesus was never phased based upon how someone looked. He was never turned off. He was never... Um, He never judged people's outward appearance. Matter of fact, the Bible says that that's how uh, people look at each other. The Bible says, God does not judge man as man judges man for men, uh, that is people look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so that's really, really important for us to understand that, that what God judges is the heart. And it's impossible, you know, the old saying, you can't judge a book by its cover. Well, you can't judge a person by their cover and you need to look at the content of their heart. And I think it's so important if you're looking um, for something to teach your children, it's to really, really evaluate people based upon their heart and teach your children to be good. And and being good means you love kids regardless of how they look mm. and, um, you know, portray themselves and you try to find uh, the goodness in their heart. And I think we live in a very, very critical world. And our children, I think, are coming out more and more critical because of the effects of social media. And uh, I just think kids are getting nastier because of... Um, you know, uh, social media, Twitter, Instagram—you know, all of those things. The, the critique, the, the willingness to critique um, when you're not in person, really it just devastates kids. And so we need to learn to just really, really be positive and encouraging to people. And a lot of times, you know, when kids are taking a selfie, maybe that's a little weird or a little odd. They're crying out, mm-hmm. and they need to be loved on and seen. And um, oftentimes, they're acting out because they're hurting on the inside. So yeah. we need to uh, just really, really challenge our kids to be loving. And again. Uh, Another question we had, I think was from the high school girl from Redlands Mm -hmm. high school. And again, I just, you know, I don't know how many high school listeners we have, but if you want to be Jesus on your campus, love the unlovable. Mm -hmm. That's what Jesus would be doing. He wouldn't be hanging out in a super cool Christian club, planning a trip to the Bahamas. What he would be doing is loving the kids that no one cares about and that people make fun of. He would have lunch with them. He would have them over to your house. Um, He would befriend them. And again, It's not a fake love. It needs to become a genuine love. You need to learn to really, really love different people. And that's what it means to be a Christian because that's who Jesus loved.
2: Mm.
1: Well, let's keep plugging away. We've got a bunch of good, good, good questions about parenting. And this one comes from Terrence. It says, Pastor Matt, you've mentioned that oftentimes you find yourself engaging in your kids too often in a negative light. And I know I've felt that way before too. I also struggle with making sure I find a balance in regards to Proverbs 13, 24, which says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. What does it look like to find a good balance between engaging them when they have done something negative and also engaging them when they've done something positive? positive.
3: Yeah. So man, you know, let me just say that, you know, within Christianity, the vast majority of Christians <clears> are Catholic. <throat> so if you grew up in a Catholic home, um, you know, the Catholic Bible has seven books that we don't have. And specifically the book of the wisdom of Solomon and Sirach, uh, two books of wisdom, I think are overly harsh on how to raise kids. Um, there's some beautiful stuff in those books, but there's some really, really harsh stuff in how to raise kids. And, um, I'm glad that as Protestants, we don't have those books in our, in, our, in our Bible because I think that we need to discipline children, but it needs to be out of love. And so we have to really, really, really manage that. I think that automatically as parents, because um, kids are sinners, every single child is a sinner and they're learning to be good. That's what they're learning to do under your care is to be good. And that's why we have a world of not very good people because they weren't challenged to be good and uh, they weren't challenged to do the right thing, regardless of what everyone else is doing. And that's, what, that's your number one job as a parent is to challenge your kid to be right before God, not right before their friends. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just think that that's so important. And so what I would do is you gotta catch your kids doing something right. Whenever you have a chance to, to say that you love them and to say um, you know, that you care about them, you need to say that. You know, Even in my marriage with, you know, with Tammy, uh, one of her, I would say, biggest critiques of me for years was that I didn't say I love you. I didn't say you look pretty. I didn't say you look beautiful. Well, the truth is I felt all of those things all of the time. What I wasn't is proactive. And so probably over the last 10 years, whenever I feel Tammy looks pretty, whenever I feel Tammy you know, has done something, I say it. I, I put words to the feelings and the emotions. And so I've had to translate that into my kids. I think most parents love their kids. Most parents are very, very proud of their kids. And um, so that you need to do that. And you need to take special occasions. um, And Tammy can speak to this. But one of the things Tammy has instituted in our family is that on uh, birthdays, we do words of affirmation. And so we go around the table and we speak positive words about the person. And and let me tell you, it's not just important for parents to do that to their kids. It's important for siblings to do that. Because even brothers and sisters, oftentimes their interactions are... Mostly negative um, because I mean, childhood is a battle. I mean, they're, they're, they're learning their place in the home uh, and that's a difficult process filled with sin. And we're trying to teach them to be Christ-like, which is the exact opposite of their nature. Um, you know, we're not trying to teach our children to be natural. We're trying to teach them to be supernatural. And so Tammy's instituted this thing in our home. We do it every single birthday uh, for all of us, including myself, which I hate sitting there listening to people <laughs> say positive things about me. But part of that's a result of my own sin. Um, my own insecurities and my own weaknesses, I really, really struggle having people say um, good things to me. And so I've had to submit myself to Tammy's leadership on this issue and be a part of that. So Tammy, why don't you just share your heart um, and and for our parents, what that looks like in our home. And it's at every birthday we do.
2: Yes. We
1: need the logistics. My (laughs) oldest daughter Reeve turns four on Monday and we're going to totally start doing this. So you got to give us the details.
2: We started doing it, I can't remember, I knew somebody who did it, and I don't really remember where that who that was, but I remember loving that idea of just taking the opportunity, and, and we literally go around the table, and it, it, it achieves a couple things that um, I think are so fantastic. The first one is I think that whoever <coughs> is the recipient of it, so whoever's birthday it is, Um, You know, a lot of times we're doing things, and again, we get corrected a lot on what we're not doing Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. We don't realize what we are doing right. And when we – I have just seen it. I'm sure there's some kind of studies that prove this. But when you're affirmed in what you're doing right, it typically motivates you to do more of that. And so on on the kids' birthdays, when we say – and they'll usually start out with, I love how you – I feel so inspired when you – um, fill in the blank there. What that does is it speaks to the ki- like whoever, whichever one of us it is, like these are the things that are really making a difference mm-hmm. and they're good and they're impactful. And then that I- I've just seen that inspire them to be, to do more of that. It's one thing to tell kids to stop doing something, but when you affirm what they do well, it inspires them to do more of that, Mm -hmm. which then by nature causes them to do less of the other things Um, because that positive reinforcement is so important. The other thing that I've seen now that we've been doing it for 20 ish years with the kids is the way that it's taught the rest of us to articulate Mm. to Mm. each other. You know, our son, um, we joke that he's the best at it. And I don't think it's because he's literally the best at it. He's just never known any different, whereas the rest of us kind of had to grow in it. But I mean, my kids can pull out, you know, how to talk that way, Mm -hmm. how to express their feelings, how to affirm somebody in such a way that I know most adults can't even do Mm -hmm. because they've practiced it over Mm -hmm. the years of, I really love how you forgive easy or I love how you bring so much Joy to our family when you laugh or you play games or you, um, you're so responsible. So it's it's caused them to articulate their feelings and they just they share them naturally now all the time. It was my mm-hmm. birthday this week, and the kids um, did their affirmations in a journal to me. They bought me a journal and then wrote out their affirmations and said we want this journal from now on every year we write in it our affirmations until it's full. Oh, so they awesome. wanted to, they wanted to start this new tradition that's not just verbal but that I have it in print, which I thought was great, but they all just said, "Thank you for, you know, loving me when I'm hard or or just the different places they're in in life, talking mm-hmm. through relationships. But the birthday affirmation, most people hate it, but they love it too. <laughs> like it's awkward, but it it really is great to say, "Hey, something I'm doing, um, is meaningful to those around me. I want to do that more. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a fun thing to be a part of.
3: Yeah. And I just think it's important. You know, if you're a parent, I just want to encourage you, you know, at some point today, go spend some time and just look at yourself in the mirror, stand there naked. And what you're going to do is you're going to point out everything you don't Mm -hmm. like. And that's just the nature of sin, the nature of sin. So the first thing that happens Adam and Eve are in the garden, they're butt naked but no worries. They <clears> sin. And the first thing they do is they cover themselves. They feel shame about who they are. And God's question is, who told you that you were naked? In other words, who who told you something's wrong with the way that you look? And so um, our kids feel this way times a thousand. They're growing, they're changing, their bodies are different. They go through puberty. And and, and the, the the brutality of puberty is they become sexually aware, and, and as soon as we become sexually aware, we're hypersensitive hypersensitive to where we don't fit in.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Where we're, you know, girls feel not pretty enough, and boys feel not manly enough. And so we need to affirm the manliness of men and the beauty of women, the strength of women, the strength of men. We need to we need to affirm those things. And you just would be a blown away at how unaware your kids are of their strengths. And, and I've had conversations literally with each of my kids where they feel so. Um, not talented Mm -hmm. and it blows my mind. And so the problem is the world presents categories for talent and they're very, very narrow. And so my sermon on um, parenting, we talked about really, there's four things. So one is, you know, brains, how do you do academically? And that's, that's, that's a great place for your kid to excel, but not every kid's going to excel there. The other is beauty. You know, some kids are better looking than other kids. And so they get affirmed for that and they get more attention for that. And, but they can't control that. Um, The other is, you know, brawn, they're, they're athletic, you know, they're dominant, they're strong, they do well at sports, um, you know, and then the last one is, you know, they're creative in some way. They can sing, they can dance, you know, they can write, they're, you know, they're poetic. They, they just have some gift. And so, you know, kids outside of those four areas, you really need to help them find their strength. And um, one of my kids, you know, was just really, really struggling with, you know, uh, because w- their siblings' talent was more easily identifiable. It fell into one of those four categories mm-hmm. and theirs did not. And so they just said, "I just don't know what my gift is." And I was like, "Are you freaking kidding me? Mm. You're strong. God has made you <clears throat> strong. And if I had to choose any gift, um, and it's not not physical strength, but she's strong as a person." And I said, "That's how God's made you, and that's how God's wired you. He's made you to be a leader, and those are the kind of people I want in my life. So don't you dare look down upon your gift." And you know, we were out together for I think it was like. Daddy date night or something it was just us one on one, and I just said those things. She started crying because her gift is not easily affirmed, and especially if you're a woman and your gift is strength, mm-hmm. it's not always affirmed in our culture. And so we need to affirm that. And, and but all of our kids have struggling with that. We a couple of years ago we, I was doing the Ironman in Mexico, and we we were doing just a, t- a share time or something, uh, and exciting. and gosh, you know, one of my kids just started sharing about themselves, and it was like a 20 minute confession. I was like, oh, good Lord. You it was know, we,
2: everything we had said to them that year
3: negative. negative. Oh, and I was, I told Tammy, I know I, I'm, yeah,
2: da, 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 we were like, I'm like, we are terrible parents. Heard. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like,
3: oh my gosh, kid, you are amazing. I'm so sorry. And just being overly self critical and uh, negative. And that's not to say that you shouldn't ever correct your kids because you know, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. You hate your kids, so you have to correct. Um, you know, bad behavior or bad feelings or, or bad things that they're doing. But you also have to, you know, so the Bible also says, fathers, and it's interesting, Paul calls out dads, do not exasperate your kids when you discipline them. Make sure that you're not putting more on them than you can, than, yeah. than they, they can handle. And so every kid is different, every kid is unique. And, um, you know, Tammy and I, we, we wrestle with this because um, Tammy's a big fairness person, and I'm just not. So, I, I think that we have to, we have to, we need to make sure that we're not overly attentive to one kid over the other, but we need to address each kid's specific needs and they're different. They have different struggles, different strengths, and we have to speak to each child and help them where they are um, and, and minister to them where they are. And so I just think that that's really, really important, but speaks positive things and make that a regular practice. You know, I dropped my son off at school today and I just said, you know, I love you. I love you. And... Um, Yeah, dad, you know, and he's, he's 15. So he doesn't always like hearing that, but I don't care Mm -hmm. because he needs to hear it. Um, because I do love him and he's the joy of my life. He's my one and only son. You know, I don't have any other. And, um, I love my girls and I'm so proud of them. And, you know, just popping in to say, Hey, I'm super proud of you. And, you know, Tammy and I talk all the time. Our girls are both in college and they're doing so much better morally, spiritually, and academically than we did. We were fully struggling at their age uh, in our relationship with God, our relationship with each other. And academically, we weren't thriving like they were. And so just speaking that to them. Now they're sinners and they struggle and they make mistakes. Um, and so we speak to those things. And so, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, parents either say my kid is a challenge or my kid's not challenging. And so look, if your kid's a challenge, you know, what that means is that kid is going to do something special either for good or for evil. So you have to be a steward of that. If your kid's not a challenge, what that means is you're not challenging them. Oh. So every parent, listen to me, if your kid is not a challenge, that means you're not challenging them because every kid has struggles and you need to challenge them. That's great. They're a 4 student, but what if they're cool to their friends?
1: Man, I've never thought of that. That is so mm-hmm. good. You
3: know, what? okay, so your, your kid's great, at, you know, uh, athletically, but but what if they're mean to the nerds, you know, or, or, or to whatever, or they're a nerd and, and they look down upon the athletic kid that's struggling. You know, okay. you've got to challenge your kids. And so... And uh, I,
2: I would even add to that, you know, you might have a kid who is just very go with the flow, easy going, um, but challenging them on declaring themselves a little bit more right, what's right, really yeah, totally. Because they're having the struggle. Uh-huh. And so um, just because they're being easy doesn't mean they're having it easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, when you don't know what you don't know. And so be, how do you pull that out of your kid?
3: Yeah. And so it's, it's work, man. You know, cause, and the problem with kids is they're clams. Like literally, you can try to talk to your kid, and it's—I mean, Jesus Christ Himself would fail. I mean, it just bounces off,
2: beep, 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 beep,
3: and then all of a sudden, boom, it opens up, and you just—you just have to be, as a parent, be ready to drop everything. And I'm not always good at this. Usually, I'll get a text message from my wife: "Put your phone away and listen to your kid, because they're open." And you just gotta hold on. You don't know what's coming out, and you just gotta soak it all in in that moment because they're scared to death to share how they feel because at school they're put down for that. They're made fun of. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, they, they can't ever be real about what hurts or, or how the, how something felt. And, and even teachers can, you know, mess up your kids, how they're feeling or something. So you you have to, you know, adults are broken too. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we have to help our kids manage the brokenness of adults and how they receive them. So, so just when that kid opens up, just be there until it closes and it will close. Mm -hmm. Um, um, but you know, um, it's just so important. I think that's where Tammy's so good at, as recognizing she recognizes more quickly than I do when the shell opens. Yeah. So, and then it's going to close again. So don't, don't think yeah. that that's going to be there tomorrow. So, yeah. cause it might not be there in five minutes.
1: Yeah. Well, you're reminding me of an interaction I had with Boaz, who's six years old, like two weeks ago, you know, cause we're trying to get him to think when we do discipline for me, it's not about punishing what he just did, but it's about trying to Change his way of thinking right. to correct for future behavior. Like, mm-hmm. I don't. You've already done that. I just don't want you to do that again. And he he um, was super whining. He was hungry. We just driven through In and Out. He's gonna get his food when we get home. But he was like super whiny that he couldn't have it right then and there. Because sometimes we get In and Out and we eat it in the car. And the thing I said in the car was, Boaz, when you're whining and you're screaming and you won't stop, you make this whole car ride the situation worse for everyone in the family. We're all stuck in here and you're not just whining for yourself. You're impacting all of us. Well, later that night, right before bed, he came. And the thing he said to me was, Hey, I know he was crying actually, but he says, I know I make everyone's life worse. And then I don't know what he was going to continue to say. But the thing I had to do was get super not selfish in that moment and be like, no, no, that's not true. And say, and and not just say like that's not what I meant, but I was like I'm, I made a choice to invest the next forty five minutes yeah. to snuggle time, to talking, and to try and like really press into the balance of encouragement and i don't necessarily know that he was open as you guys were talking mm-hmm. in that moment but i i wanted to make sure that i was spending as much time on the on the positive the affirmation affirmation and as much as it's trying to correct his behavior it's also realizing well i i had a failure and an imperfection in my own parenting communication mm-hmm. um that i need to come back through and, and course correct so man yeah. there's a lot of goodness in yeah. there mm-hmm. yeah
3: cool
0: All right. So this next question comes in from Ronnie, and it's actually for you, Matt and Justin. He says that both of you have spoken about the struggles you faced during your late teen to early adult years, despite being raised in good Christian homes. I was wondering what you have or are doing differently with your children. My wife and I are committed to raising our two young boys. Well, we attend church regularly. Our older son attends real adventure teams our midweek group for kids every week. And we're in a community group. We're striving to raise them better than we were, especially coming from a lukewarm Christian family. Any advice you have would be greatly appreciated.
3: Yeah, I would just say to, that your kids are going to struggle. So th- the question is, what do they do when they struggle? So every kid's going to struggle, even if they, they don't have sex, even if they don't do drugs, every kid's struggling. We, we're literally launching them into a world. And this is a really, really awful time to be a young adult because um, you know there's conflict everywhere. The, the world is changing. Um, I mean, it, things are just in such flux right now. And so they have to figure out who they are in a world that doesn't know who it is. And so that's the problem. And so I would just just acknowledge that your kids are going to struggle. It's going to happen and you need to be there for them. And so the Bible says, raise up a child in the way that they should go. And when they are older, they will not depart from it. So your job as a parent is to get them to the starting line, not the finish line. And so the starting line is 18. So you got to get them to that point where I'm going to manage and speak into their life I think uh, when, when they make mistakes, you need to let them feel the consequences of sin. So that's one of the mistakes I think parents make is we try to block for our kids when they make mistakes and we need to let them feel consequences because there are real consequences in life. And 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 when you make bad choices, um, bad things happen. And so we've got to learn to let them feel that uh, appropriately and not, and not try to cover for them. And so, um, you know, Tammy and I were in a situation where our kid was in the principal's office and the principal was shocked and surprised that Tammy and I didn't fight with his discipline of our kid. Hmm. He he just couldn't believe that we wouldn't. And, and it's because our kid sinned.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He made a mistake and there are consequences for that. And a part of parenting is allowing your children to experience the consequences for their sin. And so he just was like, wow. Cause most parents are like, my kid would never, I'm like, my kid, pff, I can't believe that's all they did because- I know I know where their genetics came from. You know, I I know the struggles that, that I had. And so I would just say you need to be so here's the biggest gift you can give your kids when they're young is structure. Mm-hmm. Make them go to the bed the same time, get up the same time, do the same things every week. And one of the negatives of modern society is young parents are scattered and they don't have schedules. And so that's one of the, the curses of the modern world is we don't live according to a schedule. Think about it. For Thousands of years, everybody went to bed when the sun went down and everybody got up when the sun came up. We don't have that structure anymore because we have schedules and technologies. And, and, and so we just don't have those things. You know, work into your family a natural Sabbath where you spend time with God, that they understand that. And so that's one of the things I'm so thankful for my parents is the rhythm of Sabbath. Literally, we would go to church on Sunday mornings and, and we were there every single week. We never missed. And, you know, then my parents would, we would have lunch potluck, which I always loved. And then we would literally, we had nap time and my parents would just go crash out in their room for a couple hours. And then we came out, we had Sunday night. Usually they'd have a friend over after church and they play games. It was just a great day. And a lot of my friends didn't have that. And I just thought it was such a beautiful, wonderful thing um, because we had that. So build in structure that that if you look at the 10 commandments, right? And so we're gonna, hopefully we're gonna have a series I can't figure out what I want to call it yet, but I, I think I want to call it um, 10 Reasons Everybody Needs God. And it's just, it's just looking at the 10 commandments again and how they're really for us. Mm-hmm. And so, um, um, but you know, I got to get that through the creative team. They always <laughs> hate my ideas for a sermon. So, what I would say is they like your
2: sermons like your titles. They like my sermons, just not my
3: titles. Um, you know, you need to build structure into your kid's life. And, and again, you have to be honest with yourself as parents. You don't always feel like going to church. Well, what does that communicate to your kid? We serve God as long as we feel like it. Mm-hmm. So we get up, we go, we have a good attitude. Um, you know, um, encourage your kids to have a positive attitude about learning. We're not. This isn't just school. This is. This is about eternity. This is about your soul.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: We're going to learn about the God who made us today. This is where we come from. This is. This is our identity. This is our story. Um, you know, you were talking about the movie, Black Panther and how, and how you loved it. Well, one of the things I think that it communicates, especially to a black audience is meaning mm-hmm. and story. That's important in any culture's life. And what's the one thing we're not teaching kids today? Meaning and story. Mm-hmm. What does the Bible teach us? Meaning and story. Where do we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? What is life about? And, and this is why, you know, so many kids today are bored. There's no meaning in life. You know, they don't know what to do with themselves because they don't have meaning. They don't know who they are and they don't know where they're going. And that's what we learn at church. It gives us meaning, purpose, and destiny. And those things are so important. Uh, and the beauty of Christianity is it's not race specific, right? The gospel is for all people and all nations. We have a very specific people group, Jews, who have a Jewish Messiah who says, no, it's for all people, all people of color, all ethnicity, all tribes, all tongues. Think about that. That's radical. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. So I just would say, really, really focus on and be intentional about time in church. And again, those things your kid are learning, you'll be surprised at how they show up later. Mm -hmm. And then be really intentional about who your kids hang out with and, and, and encourage them. You know, Tammy and I just had to have this conversation with one of our kids about choosing friends. It's so important who you pick as a friend. And again, help your children to choose good kids, not popular kids, yeah. not beautiful kids, yeah. not smart kids, not athletic kids. And so that's one of the things that breaks my heart. All these kids are putting you know, their kids in um, you know, sports. Okay. So that's great. So what you're teaching your kid is that the model for humanity is athleticism. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not our model. Our model is goodness, mm-hmm. doing the right thing and being a good person. And um, I think there's a reason the world can't sleep at night and we all have to be medicated because we're not good -hmm. And we and we need that. So your your turn.
1: Well, I just was the only thing that I would answer, and maybe from a different perspective is I'm raising my kids at Sandals Church. You know, like I'm choosing um, for them, and that's the thing that when Lindy and I talk about our parenting and stuff, we're most excited about this. Like I love the idea that I've got kids; their whole entire life have grown up around people who are being real and people who are being honest, and we as their parents are trying to model that. You know, there's thousands and thousands of people who know I've wrestled so deeply with the struggle, uh, pornography addiction. You know, there's thousands of people who know, like I have blown up in anger, uh, in front of my family and my children and my kids don't have to hide any of that. Hmm. Um, and hopefully that creates a place where they feel like they can be honest about their, um, who, who, their questions, their fears. To me, I think a lot, of, a lot of, you know, so much of the stuff that, um, I look back at my own life and I wish I would have done differently. Happened when I was making decisions on my own and when I was doing things in secret mm-hmm. and trying to bridge some of those gaps mm-hmm. are coming from us trying to like really practice and live out the vision of being real with ourselves, God, mm-hmm. and others. Um, I think that's th- kind of the key, key mm-hmm. thing that we're.
3: Yeah, you just really, man. Um... I think for, not just for kids, but for all of us, because we're all children in the eyes of God, we need to stop managing our secret life and we need to eradicate our secret life. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to do. And so uh, our secret life is our real life. And so we, ha- we I think a lot of us try to manage that. We're afraid what's going to come out, what's going to be exposed, what's going to be seen. And we just need to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. You know, that shadow life, that life that's, kind of under the current of of how we act and behave and, and really deal with those issues. And so listen, every parent out there, parenting is hard, but it's, it's a gift from God and uh, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And every child, uh, I mean, you just don't know what your kid is going to do. You know, my parents probably thought I was predestined for prison, Um, (laughs) you know, and, and, and I just can't imagine what they think and they feel when they, you know, they come to church and, you know, Sandals is one of the fastest growing churches in the United States. You know, uh, I just, I can't imagine what it, how confusing it must be for them, for a young man that just so incredibly struggled morally Mm -hmm. on on a lot of issues and had a lot of shadows and a lot of hidden uh, issues and secrets. And so, um, but again, right. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. And I think I'm case a Mm -hmm. example, number one, that it can really change your life. And so, uh, just don't give up on your kids, and and know that it's hard and it's challenging. Um, you know, I think that you know Tammy and I, we differ in our strategy in parenting. I think Tammy's just a better person than I am, so she has a harder time. No,
2: I'm not. Yeah, she has, she has, a, she has a harder <laughs> time. She
3: has a harder time with our kids sin than I do, because I'm like, yeah, well, that's at least true. at least that's like, all I like did. I did
2: that. I'm like, I didn't. Yeah,
3: yeah. Tammy was. Tammy's not, a little church girl perfect, until she met but. me. So, yeah. I, I'm just like man. Thank we God that's different. all he did. So, yeah.
1: I want to say one more thing, Ronnie, because my only because my kids are are younger, right? You you guys have a, adult kids. It's so weird. Yes. Um, How did
2: that even happen? Yeah.
1: Um, one of the things that I think you can do, I, I and more parents should do, is just be way more intentional than mm-hmm. you think. Mm-hmm. You need to be or even your kids are capable of, you know, like I get surprised all the time when, you know, people are like, when should you start having the sex talk with your kids? And I was like, well, I did with Boaz I mean both of my kids when they were like five years old and mm-hmm. they could totally handle it. They could totally track with it. All those kinds of things, I, you know. I lead a um, a small group. Um, we meet once a month on Sunday nights, and it's all dads. It's the la- um and they're all we're all young dads, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're just spending two hours every month ch- trying to just be really intentional, thinking about mm-hmm. what are the things that we need to be intentional with in our fatherhood over this next month. Um, because if we're not, it's so easy to just be on autopilot, mm-hmm. and then realize, whoa, I sh- maybe I should have been doing something about this. So, um, be y- your kids are capable of more. Than you think they are is probably the thing that I've been learning over this last year, and maybe maybe wish I would have got started on some of this stuff a little bit earlier. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I think that intentionality is has been super key for us. Um, I've just because what's going to happen naturally in parenting your kids will be the, like the correction, yeah. But the intentionality of of hard conversations of nothing's off limits for us to talk about, um, and then asking them. To articulate what's going on with them from the earliest stage they can, I think is so important because that's where, that's when you learn who they are and you can speak into that in such profound ways.
1: Totally. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you're not intentional, when are you going to have set aside one-on-one time with each of your kids? You know, our, everybody's life gets Mm -hmm. crazy. You've got to be intentional about making all that stuff happen. Yeah. And,
3: and Tammy and I've talked about, you know, our cell phones are a problem in our Mm -hmm. house and we both, we both recognize that, that. Oftentimes your phone gets the attention your kid needs. Mm-hmm. And so we need to choose our kids uh, over, Tammy's gonna over our that phones. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just so important, guys. We, we only have so much time. You know, Tammy and I celebrated 22 years of marriage. You know, there's no guarantee that we have 22 more years left. And so, um, you know, I can always get another phone. I can't get another Tammy. I can't get another Ethan. I can't totally. get another Madison mm-hmm. or Kennedy. And so I have to choose them in those moments. And so... Um, And I think it's tough too, because as our kids grow up in an age of technology, they disappear into their devices and uh, we need to pull them out of their devices. And Mm so um, there's a substantial difference in the life of our son, especially when he can't play video games. He's a better kid.
2: Mm.
3: He's a better kid. He's more attentive. He's more interested in relationship. He's more interested in connecting than that stupid box. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm not an adult who plays video games. I'm just not, I'm not looking down on people who do, but I just think that it's really easy to get lost in fantasy and mm-hmm. fantasy always ruins reality. Yeah. Always. So, um, you know.
1: You know, Lindy and I, we got Apple Watches at our anniversary this last year and my favorite part about it is how my phone will ring to, like if, it's, if I have a phone call. Mm-hmm. So now when I come home, my phone... Gets out of my pocket. It just gets plugged away, mm-hmm. um, and we actually do no phones at all on Saturdays until we have to leave there's and no, come to work to here at all. Well, yeah, but well, if, <laughs> I don't
2: know if, if that there's
1: counts. A, no, if there's an emergent, <laughs> like if you're texting me yeah. or if somebody needs to get a hold of me, I can see it and be like, oh, I should go get my phone and answer this. Mm-hmm. But I don't have my phone just sitting in there, burning a hole in my mm-hmm. pocket, saying, look at Instagram, mm-hmm. see if you have any more likes. And those Saturdays are just been game changers. So
3: yeah, and I'm not saying don't use devices. Mm-hmm. I, I would say use them. Yeah. So when you're in Target, when you're in the car, man, use those things. Totally. But not when you're mean, in the home I, I, or when you're at I dinner, don't agree with that. yeah, turn them off.
1: <laughs> no, you got to keep the kids I distracted these kids in Target. Kids in Target,
2: like three years old with a full iPad, they're walking, like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you can't even go into Target. Come well, on. Well, I, t- yeah, tell me, I don't agree. I think <laughs> yeah, I think, I think do when do you need to get stuff that.
3: done, well, she can be wrong. When when. <laughs> when you need okay. to get some stuff done and you only have so much time to get in a target you don't want to be arm wrestling your 3-year-old the assumption is that your kid is so addicted to the screen that they can't ever live without it that's yeah. the assumption Tammy's making which is probably correct right. i'm just saying it is i'm just saying <laughs> utilize it utilize it when you need it but the problem is i think parents use it as a crutch all the all time right. and so it becomes the parent and um, you know we, just, we didn't have that with our kids because the technology was not available yeah. mm-hmm. so I mean we couldn't could carry around a VCR <laughs>
1: <laughs> if, if, uh, I wish you had I, I, if my kids aren't distracted in Target they're distracted by Target and yeah. that one cost me way more money <laughs> so walk around with the iPad is fine with me
0: yeah alright so this next question comes from Rebecca and she says how do you guide your children to choose the right path when you didn't but it ended up turning out well for you for example missionary dating that almost never turns out well but I did it and my husband is now a Christian so how do you tell your kids that something almost never works out when you're the exception to the rule?
3: Yeah, well, sometimes people jump off the Golden Gate Bridge and live. Normally that doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, I was trying to figure I, out I, I like, Do we ring the do bell we, and we just
0: move uh, on? We, no, 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 right? I mean, okay.
3: you can't you can't cite, and this is the problem with people. People want to cite some miraculous exception and say, well, that's the rule. The truth is that you were really, really blessed and praise God your husband came to know the Lord and, 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 and he was able to to come to
1: Christ. That's not normally how it works. So let's say we have a, a set of parents who maybe were like heavily addicted to drugs at the end of their teenage years into college and they, or, or totally abused alcohol throughout their young adult and yeah. they don't want their kids to go down that path. What, what, how would a parent like Rebecca, who's got this circumstance who wants her kid to maybe do it differently? How do we handle that?
2: Well, I, I mean, Matt and I've had to live that out. We have had that conversation literally with our girls on several occasions of we're the exception to the rule, not the rule and the real consequences that some of our dating choices have had with us. I mean, we have some consequences from dating that carried well into our marriage in a really negative way. And they've had to see some of that. And I mean, that's been a reality even in our own conversations with them of, of it's the hard, it's the hard way to go. You, you might go that way, but it's the hard way to go. And that is not what God wants for you. It's not what's best for you. And God can still redeem broken, hard things, which, you know, I think that he has with Matt and I, um, but it is the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. It is not the rule. And mm-hmm.
3: yeah, but I mean, again, yeah. I don't know what the percentages are. You can look it up on the show notes, but every year about 200 people jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. And I think three live. No, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes without any injury at all. Mm -hmm. And they don't know why, but statistically that's going to go really, really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why there are fences (laughs) to to prevent it from happening, Mm -hmm. but people still manage uh, to do that. And so we have to be really, really careful that we don't cite our experience as the rule. We have to cite scripture as the rule. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's important, um, Because God knows what's best. And so I'm really, really glad for you that it turned out great. Mm -hmm. You're super, super blessed. And man, I hope that you're close to God forever, because it usually doesn't work out that way. And I'm I'm grateful that you and your husband, um, you know, gave your life to the Lord and submitted to him. But it just that doesn't normally happen. Mm -hmm. So Um, we love it when it happens and we, we want it to happen, you know, for people who, um, you know, got married to someone who is not a Christian and and we, we celebrate that and we look forward to that. That's why we preach the gospel and we believe that, that anybody can be saved. But, but the truth is, man, there's a reason, there's a reason your heavenly father has laid out these rules. Um, and, and, and again, it's, it's because as a Christian, we're supposed to love the Lord, our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. So how can you love God? This is the first and greatest commandment with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength and say, I'm going to give myself physically, emotionally and spiritually to a person who does not acknowledge the thing that I love the most with all of my heart, soul, mind and strength. Mm-hmm. And so you, ha- you have a division in your relationship and that- and that's what it is. You're not both committed to the same thing. And so um, it- it's just a challenge and we, we need to make sure that um, we acknowledge God in that and um, and just admonish younger people and your kids to say, look, mom and mom and I or dad and I were blessed in this. What we want you to do is be wise in this. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's how you counsel your kids. And so that's great. There's a story. And Tammy and I for years have had man, young wide-eyed girls. Will it work for you guys? I'm like, oh gosh, you know, it was really. <laughs> you can see as we're
2: both shaking our head right now. Like it oh, was
3: really really hard. I mean, it was really so really hard. hard. <laughs> and so you know. Doing things the good way is always the best way. Mm. It may not feel like it in the moment, but it is in the long run. And so, um, you know, we were talking about this in small group, you know, Claude preached on finances this week. And, you know, we have a young man in our small group who's 30 years old. And from his perspective, we're rich. And the truth is we've just been good with our money and our decisions. Mm. And if you're good and you're 20 with your money and your decisions, when you're 45, you're going to have some money. Right. If, if you if you <laughs> apply the principles that God teaches, you're you're going to do well. If you don't, maybe you'll be rich. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. you'll win the lottery. Maybe you'll get a great promotion. But typically, people that have some money in their 40s have been good and faithful with it. And, um, you know, and again, that's why Tammy and I tithe. That's why we give over and above. It's why we support missionaries. It's why we give to charity. It's why we do these things because we believe God's always right.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So um, anyways... That was an awkward transition.
1: No, okay, so the next two questions we have are both about blended families. The first is from Kristen. Uh, she and her husband have been married three years. She's got two older, like all, teenage daughters, um, and then they have a new daughter who's two years old, Israel. has got three ch- three kids, and he's about to get married, or soon we'll be thinking about it, and we'll have two additional stepchildren. What kind of advice and encouragement would you give for trying to blend those families and and step into a real authentic relationship with the kids who they're now parenting but are not their actual biological children. Yeah, the first thing
3: I would do is pr- put the whole thing on pause, get in some counseling and really, really figure out uh, how you relate to each other and how you relate to the kids. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing. Um, you know, marriage is really, really hard when you're raising children that are biologically yours. In a blended family, you have the addition of the children who are not yours. Here's what's not been mentioned. There's also going to be another adult in the picture. Mm-hmm. And so here's the problem when you, when, you, when you enter into a blended family, there's usually a spouse who's bitter and does not want to blend. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the challenge. That becomes a rival. And, and I've even seen, you know, in my own life, you know, uh, people who claim to be good Christian people are just terrible. I mean, Tammy and I witnessed a good friend of ours, um, you know, th- went through a divorce and their spouse was a leader in a church in our city for 20 years. And he was evil, evil to her and to her husband and to their kids. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Um, and her poor a husband who married into that, he had to endure that for 15 years, mm-hmm. 15 years of just torture. And so you have to just be really, really, really try to make a good decision. You know, um, Yeah, I really love this person. Is this something that I want to subjugate my kids to, uh, my life to? Uh, th- there's the financial issue. A lot of times when you marry into blended families, th- th- half the paycheck is going somewhere else. And so you have to deal with that. It, it creates um, difficult financial situations. It, it, it encourages or it, it includes difficult parenting things, swapping kids on the weekends. It's not easy. Now, having said that, can it work? Of course. Mm-hmm. But be honest about what you're getting into. A lot of reasons people go through divorce in the first place is they weren't honest in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So don't just don't just feel like well love's going to conquer all. Because if that was true, nobody would get divorced. So what we need to do is make good decisions. I would get in some counseling, read some books, um, you know, get into you know our uh, premarital counseling, and deal with some families who are have struggled with blended families because it's really really difficult and it's hard to parent when the kid can say you're not my dad and you're not my mom. So you have to have honest conversations about that. What are we going to say when the kid says that? What are, how how are we going to parent together? You know, Tammy and I are not always on the same page, and the kids are both biologically ours. You know. They, they, they are, mm-hmm. they're all, not both. There's more than two. Um,
2: <laughs> and they're all, both all of ours. They're all of ours. <laughs> and we're not
3: always on the same page and kids are smart, they manipulate and they know how to work in situations. Well, and so,
2: okay. Go ahead. I was going say, there's also a dynamic of a blended family of, you know, when Matt and I got married and we have our kids, we were each other's priority and then the kids came. Mm. Whereas I think there there's an added dynamic of a blended family of, you know that the, those two people getting married are not necessarily the prior the number one mm. the same way that Matt and I got to be each other number one because those each of their individual kids need to be their number one mm-hmm. and it just is a little would you like to yeah, no, say that? there's a little bit of yeah. a an upside downness to that of right. you know in a in a family where um, all the, the kids are both <clears> of theirs you know the the mom and dad unit is is the priority. In blended families, the kids really need to be the priority. I know um, someone who is in a blended situation and that husband is very much like, no, your marriage is your priority. The kids come second yeah. to that. Well, it's not those kids' fault that, right. you know, and... Um, it has not worked out well in that way, and yeah. so as the spouses going into it, understanding that their kids need to and should take precedence over me really um, is mm. really, really important for the health of the kids, and I think the health of your relationship with your stepkids yeah. to understand, like, no, you're you're you know, you're your daddy's priority, and I honor that and respect that and and affirm that, um, and and I think that takes a lot to be able. A lot Mm -hmm. of character in a person to be able to be in that place of I'm willing to come second to these kids because they're already there before I came into the picture. Mm -hmm. There was nobody already there for Matt and I when we came into the picture. We Mm -hmm. were each other's priority. Then the kids came. Um, I just think that's one of the ways families go awry real quick is when Mm. you try to step in and be like, no, our marriage and our whatever is first. The kids need to just fall in line to that that doesn't go well and i don't think it produces the results of a family unit that that they're looking for especially in this question of totally. you yeah. want a healthy family sometimes that looks like you saying like i get your kid has to be first mm-hmm. and i'm and being confident and secure enough to let those kids be first yeah. um and and some and figuring out what that looks like for disciplining of like you're going to handle the the disciplinary Stuff on that, or have have boundaries, mm-hmm. real spoken boundaries on it, but it gets real tricky. I love mm-hmm. how you said about get some counseling because it's it's really tricky. Yeah,
3: and and get some wisdoms from you know people that have walked those roads and been successful,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
3: who ha- have managed mm-hmm. it well. And so I'm not saying it can't work. I'm just saying it's going to take more work. It's mm-hmm. going to be more yeah, challenging. Absolutely. And this is why it's so important, you know, that you not jump in the sack with each other. And, and get all passionate because you need to make sure that you take it slow so that your kids have an opportunity to get to know this person. And again, ladies, the most dangerous man in your child's life is the non-biologically mm-hmm. related man in their life. So you need to take it slow. You need to be very, very careful. And you need to not be so needy that you have to have a man. Mm-hmm. What you have to have is God. God will be that man in your life because that man... <laughs> um, can hurt your kids, and so you need to be very, very careful. And then, and then you'll be man, your relationship with your kids will be jacked for all time when that guy's gone, or, or vice versa for the girl. Um, you know, what's that movie that we love to watch with the kids? The Disney movie Parent Trap. Mm-hmm. You know, Parent Trap is that the twins, you know, mm-hmm. that um, were separated at birth, don't know each other, but when they when they flip. Um, uh, this is Lindsay Lohan, the one I'm talking about. The, I was the, just
1: gonna say, yeah. is this the Lindsay Lohan yeah. version or the original? The mom,
3: the the young, beautiful blonde. Her intentions are not pure with 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 the daughter. Hmm. She, you know, she's coming in with an agenda to get rid of the kid. And so, you really need to date somebody who wants to be a dad, wants to be a mom, wants mm-hmm. to wants to be a parental. This is key: a parental figure mm-hmm. in your child's life. They're not going to be the parent. They're going to be a parental figure. Um, they're going to be a guardian, right? We use that word Mm -hmm. and that's important. They're guarding your children and you Mm want to make sure that they're a part of that. Um, And just understand the complexities are difficult and you have to challenge your kids to be respectable, to be honorable, but you also have to challenge your spouse to be respectful and Mm -hmm. honorable because your kid needs to feel safe in a home that's previously been torn apart by divorce. Mm -hmm. And so that's so important. And there are miracle stories. There are great stories out there of blended families. It's complex. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. complex. And you just have to know that that it's, it's, it's more difficult than if it's just two people fall in love and have kids. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's more complex. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it can't work. It doesn't mean it can't be loving. It doesn't mean it can't be a family. It just means it's going to be more challenging. And you need to be honest with yourselves if you're up for the challenge and make sure that it's not, I just don't want to be alone. I just want to have sex. Those are, those motives are not enough to make a family work. And so you really have to, you know, really, really love the partner and the kids and, and make sure that the kids get along. Um, especially if there's a, a vast difference in ages, mm-hmm. you know, if you have teenagers and then you're marrying into somebody, you know, I think their situation is they have teenagers and a two-year-old. Yeah. And then you have to make sure that your kids that are from separate, uh, parents don't feel isolated by the kid that's the unified kid, mm-hmm. right? Because you have his, hers, and ours. That's another challenge. Mm-hmm, every mm-hmm. kid has to feel like ours.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: That's God's will for them, that they feel like, here's what God's will for every kid is, that their home is their home. And, and they're ours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tammy and I don't have kids that are, are, are not biologically ours, but if they are, they're ours. You know, we had Tammy's niece live with us uh, for a year, her senior in high school. And I tried to treat her just like one of our kids. I didn't want her to, to make her feel any different. She was already not with her biological parents. She'd already been torn from that situation. It was already a difficult situation. I wanted her to feel like us, you know, uh, a part of us. And I think that's so important. And not that we did that perfectly, but we tried um, and uh, to, to include them uh, in our life. And I think that that's so important. And so if you are going to get married and blend a family, you have to have a heart for the kids just like you do the partner.
2: Mm. I love that idea of considering yourself a guardian, like yeah. a protector.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: That's a great way to look at that.
0: Cool. So now on the other side of families that have come out of divorce now, Kelsey and Jen both sent in really similar questions just about being a parent who now has an ex in their life who does not follow God. So Kelsey says, I'm a single mom raising a three-year-old son. My ex has walked away from his faith and I'm concerned about how that will impact my son. I take him to church. He attends a Christian preschool, but I have no influence over him when he's with his dad. At church one Sunday, I heard a statistic that over 60% of children whose fathers do not go to church will be lost completely. Ever since I heard this status, it's haunted me. I pray for him routinely, but is there anything else you could suggest? And then Jen's question is that she and her husband, she's now remarried, are deep believers in God. And it's important that we raise our children in a house that's dedicated to God. But my four-year-old has a different father and she splits time between our house and her dad's house. Her biological dad does not believe in God. And our little girl has a love for God and know that, knows that he's in her heart. But her dad tells her that she's crazy for thinking that mm. and there's no such thing as God. What can my husband and I do so we don't create extreme confusion for her?
3: Oh, yeah. Oof. All right, the first one, let's go there first. Um, so, uh, you know, I, statistics are always hard to trust. Um, you know, they say there's lies, damn lies, then statistics. So, um, you know, it's just really, really difficult. People use statistics to manipulate facts to really to ma- manipulate people. So I, I don't know if that statistic is correct or not. I do know this, that the Bible says that the man is the spiritual leader. Um, and the greatest gift you can give to your children is a man who loves the Lord. It's the greatest <laughs> gift. The man is the spiritual leader. Um, it's not that women aren't important. It's not that women don't matter. It's not that they don't have a role. It's not that they're equal in the eyes of God. The man is the spiritual leader in the home, and that that impacts kids, right? It impacts kids, and um, so I think you're doing the right thing. I think Christian school is a great place. Um, I think you need to encourage that. Um, I think as much Jesus as you can get into your kid early on. I I, I think that that's really really important. I would encourage you to sit down with your ex if you can and just really share your heart. Um, And I would share that statistic. And I don't even know if it's true, but you heard it. So share it and say, here's my heart. I want our kid to know and love the Lord. Is there any way I can get you on the same page Mm -hmm. to help me raise our kid? Because I think kids need morals. And I think they need spiritual, they need a spiritual anchor. So I think uh, morals are a compass, which way is right, which way is wrong. But spiritual truth is, is an anchor and it anchors them when their life is crazy. And so I think even atheist parents um, can be challenged to see the benefits of a spiritual anchor. And, and and they do help. You do not help a child by telling them, hey, there's no God, we're animals on this rock floating, and there's no purpose or point to life. That doesn't help anybody. Um, it, does, it doesn't help guide a kid. It just, it just doesn't. And, and even atheists, an honest atheist will acknowledge that. And uh, what I think it's okay, it's okay for adults to become atheists. We should not raise children to be atheists. You can choose as an adult, but we shouldn't warp a kid's point of view from the time that they're little. Um, So I would just sit down with my spouse. The other one, um, I think you need to have a real conversation. You may need to go into mediation. You may need to take your spouse to court. That is not acceptable. It's not acceptable to tell a child they're crazy because they believe in God. That's, That's abuse. And I think a court will side with the faithful on that. It's not okay to tell a kid, that they're crazy. It's not, I mean, even if the issue with Santa Claus, it's not okay to tell a kid they're crazy because they believe in Santa Claus. That's a form of abuse and the dad needs to stop that. So mm-hmm. you need to pursue mediation. You need to take them to court. I would first ask them lovingly mm-hmm. to not do that. And if you don't, I'm gonna take you to court because that is a violation of the rights. You're not, just like it would be wrong for you to tell your daughter that your her dad's crazy. That would be wrong. It would be wrong for you to defame him or do whatever. It's wrong for him to do that and it's really not a good thing. And so I would seek mediation immediately. And I think even a, a non-believing atheist mediator is going to see how unhealthy that is for the child. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's dysfunctional, it's unhealthy, and it's not good for her in the long run. And um, you know, if the dad truly loves his daughter, he's going to see the need for moral and spiritual truth in their life. And that is so important, regardless of how he's living his life. He's an adult, screw up your life. Don't screw up your kid's life. Um, and again that 's the problem with uh, you know divorce. oftentimes people are so broken and so sinful they 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 want to hurt their ex so bad they 're willing to hurt their own children mm-hmm. and that 's what mm-hmm. sin does and that's just that 's just how wrong the world is and how selfish the world is is that we we are so enraged by our own wounds we, we can't see what we 're doing to our own kids and mm. so I think that's tragic uh, but again i would I would lovingly um positively challenge. The dad and, and, and again you can't you can't lose your mind, you can't lose control. And and I, that's hard for Tammy and I and we love each other. I can't imagine how that conversation goes if we live in different homes and we're married to different people. So I get the complexities of that. Um, you know, maybe sit down and, and talk to someone that he respects, knows, and loves. Hmm. And say, Hey dude, you know, because I mean maybe his best friend can say, Well, don't say that to your child. That's not helpful. You're actually hurting your kid. Um, because hopefully, even as an atheist, he loves his kid. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Um, and, and, it's just, you know, it's just, again, what does an atheist love? Themself. That's not a healthy way to live. It's not, That's mm-hmm. why I want to do that series, you know, 10 reasons everybody needs God. Cause if, if you violate the first commandment, which thou shalt have no other gods and atheists have one, it's them. The worst thing you can do in the world is worship yourself. Mm-hmm. It's the worst thing you can do. And, and I, I think it completely derails life. So um, I'll be praying for both of you. And and that's just super challenging. Just know we love you and we care for you. And um, it's not going to be easy, but that doesn't mean that God can't work in spite of our difficulties and our hardships. And so we have to trust um, God in that circumstance. And so, um, you know, just keep doing what you can do. And in the end, you can't control your spouse. You can only control you and try to be the best example of God you can possibly be. So that's tough. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts? Yeah.
1: Okay, let's switch gears and then jump way forward into the future here with Wendy's question. She asks, how do parents deal with their adult children's problems when they want to help with dealing with finances, spousal arguments, etc.? Being the mediator is tough and it's hard not to always choose the side of your child.
3: Yeah, so I do the same thing I do in counseling. I'm never on the husband or wife's side. I'm always on the marriage side, which is God's side, always. And so I think that's the best thing that you can do. Uh, for your kids is to choose the marriage, and, and unless there's abuse, right? Unless there's abuse, the best thing you can do is challenge um, your kid to do the right thing and, um, you know, to challenge them, you know, to honor their commitments and to submit and, and, and to humble themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best thing. It's never wrong to tell your kid to do the right thing. What is the right thing? And so as a parent, you have to not get emotionally involved and ask yourself, what is the right thing? What is good, right, and true in this situation? Sometimes your kid's going to be on that side and sometimes their spouse is going to be on that side. You always have to make sure you're on the right side. And again, as Christians, we choose our faith, not our feelings. Mm -hmm. And so your feelings are going to identify with your kid. Your faith is going to identify with what's good, right, and true. And so you have to do that. And so, you know, part of the problem in our culture is we've not done a good job culturally raising children to be adults. And so that's why so many adults are having to parent their adult kids because they're not adults. The reason you have to parent your 30-year-old is they're not mature and they're not growing. And I think that's one of the things you need to challenge them is, look, you've, you've been on your own now for X amount of years. When are you gonna take your life seriously so that you can start making these choices? You can start growing up. I think the way that you parent adult children is by reminding them you shouldn't have to parent them. Mm-hmm. say, look, I, because what they're going to do is they're going to judge you. They need you. And then they're going to turn on you because they shouldn't need you in that way. And that doesn't mean that I don't think parent, kids don't always need advice or wisdom or encouragement. I think that we give that to our kids until we die. But the reality is um, you need to parent your kids to make decisions and to face the consequences for those decisions um, and not rescue them. Uh, and that's what a lot of parents do. They rescue their, their teenager, their 20 year old, their 30 year old, their 40 year old. Um, you've you've got to let them face the consequences for for what they do, and that doesn't mean that you can't help them or you know help pay for an attorney or whatever mm-hmm. it is that they've done. But you've got to encourage them. The best way to let your kids become an adult is to face the consequences for their childlike decisions.
2: Mm-hmm. That's that's
3: the best mm-hmm. the best recipe for maturity is owning up to consequences and dealing with stupid choices. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, love them, affirm them, and say this: I love you and believe in you. This is not who I believe God's called you to be. Hmm. So, so if that's how you affirm, but you, you also disapprove. This is not who God's called you to be. I don't believe this is who God's made you to be. I believe that he's called you for something else. He's called you to a different purpose. And um, th- this right here is, is not that. And again, we, need to, we really need to challenge our kids. Don't pursue a lukewarm relationship with God where you attend church occasionally. Pursue God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus says in Matthew 633, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Mm. If you get that backwards, you miss everything. So seek first the kingdom of God. But I think that the reality is a lot of parents are realizing we still have to be parents in our in well into our kids' twenties and thirties. That's the result of a modern society that has not done a good job raising kids and we haven't allowed them to to, to grow up and face consequences. And so um you know, America is is producing a culturally immature generation. And, and that's just the reality. And so, you know, I think about like Tammy's grandpa, you know, he, he moved out of his house at 15, joined the military at 16, you know, got out of the Navy at 19, was married at 20, you know, had his first kid at 21, yeah. opened his own business at 22. I mean, it's just a different world. You know, my same grandpa lied on his application to the U.S. Army, cause he was 15, said he was 18, you know, went over, got shot, blown up, came back, you know, met my grandma on a barn dance, married her three weeks later, you know, never- do waste any
0: time. Dude. No, ne-
3: but never, <laughs> never was rich. Never graduated. Co- well, he graduated college in his forties, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, all these things that we, we, we keep putting these hurdles in front of kids. You're an adult win. And the problem is the wins keep adding up and they're never an adult. And, and just 50, 60 years ago, man, man, I, you know, I mean, it, it's just our society is not producing adults. We've not, Done a good job at producing grown up adults, and so um, you know, listen to our music, watch our movies. Boys want to be boys, you know, chase girls and blow up things. I mean, that's it's just really, really sad. Rather than build things, and uh, and I think God has a different vision for young men's life—to be protectors, to be strong, um, to be faithful and loyal and true. Um, those are the attributes that God wants to see in young men, and we used to have that in a Judeo-Christian world. And again, America was never perfect. Uh, not even close, but we produced a better adult than we do nowadays. Um, so even though we've grown in some areas, we've we've become incredibly weak in others. And so I just would encourage you: um, you can't you you can't control your adult kids. You cannot. So don't try.
2: One thing I would say, which actually I don't think helps this particular question, but might help other people: one thing that I see after being in the church for for over twenty years is. When people's kids and they have adult kids and all of a sudden they're like, why is my kid not making godly decisions? And more times than not, if it's someone I've known for a long time, what's interesting to me is I see that being... um, the lifestyle that they grew up with Mm -hmm. of church is important. When we have crisis church is important. When there's nothing else better going on church is important. God's important. When I want you to do what I said to do. Mm-hmm. It, rather than church was always important, they they want they want the benefits of what God has without having done the discipline mm-hmm. and having had the the lifestyle of it. So I see, you know, that's like the, me and my body. I see parents, <laughs> yes, I see parents that now have adult children. They're like, why are they not living for God? And I'm mm-hmm. like, you were in church once a month, maybe they they never really were living for God. You just had kind of had a. Uh, A Christian umbrella that you carried sort Mm. of, Mm. um, the kids doing exactly what they've been taught to do, which is I do what I want. And when I'm in the need, I go to God. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so I just, Matt, you talked earlier about the rhythms and just the discipline of being in church. And that's, that's what I think is so important. Um, if you want to have adult children that follow God and, and make wise choices in that way. I mean, every, nobody's going to make all of them. Sure. We're still not making them all perfect, but it has to be something that you sowed over the years. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, well, why aren't they you know, you can't, yeah. you can't want God to be important to them now when you modeled to them and you can't undo that. You know, you can, you can only do what you can do now. And Um, do the best that you can and pray for them and, and trust that God has a plan for them despite any shortcomings in parenting. But for, for parents that are younger now, um, you're going to, to reap what you sow. And if you sow with your kids that God's only important, unless something else, unless it's not t-ball weekend or soccer field weekend or concert weekend or Mm -hmm. no trip ski trip weekend, and we've seen so many parents of that. Then they get their children get adults and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're not following God all of a sudden. It's this mad scramble. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, and, and a part of that is a lot of parents didn't raise their kids the way they were raised. And so here's one of the mistakes that we made, uh, parents make. They didn't give their kids the same platform that they were given. Hmm. So I think you can live a more committed life as an adult if you had parents that mandated commitment as a child. But if you don't give that to your kids, they don't have that same platform. So it's the proverb, raise a child up uh, the right way when they were young and when they are old, they will not depart from it. And so you have adult Christians who are flabbergasted that their kids didn't follow God the way they did, but what they don't see is the difference between they, the way they were raised and the way they raised their kids. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happens in the Bible. It says there grew a generation that did not know God and the miracles of Moses. Mm-hmm. Their parents did but they were not raised to know those things. And so what happens in the book of Judges, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And that's, that's the worst truth in the Bible. When everyone's doing what's right for them, it screws everything up. And so, um, you know, I'll just give you an example. Tammy and I, you know, we met in school together and one of our first classes together was uh, New Testament um, uh, Christianity. And so we're in this class and Tammy and I are in there. We had just started dating. Or, or maybe we weren't even dating yet. We, I was hoping we were going to date. Um, <laughs> but we're sitting in this class. And, and I remember the professor writes on the board, Satan is not a real person. He wrote that. And Tammy's like, oh my gosh. Da, da, da. And I, So Tammy's rattled by that. And I'm like, this professor's an idiot. Because I was raised from the time that I was little. I mean, so, so it, was, it was literally, and, and, and the difference between us, and Tammy was raised in Christian school, but I was raised religiously in church on a regular basis. And I knew that Jesus was real. And I knew the devil was real, right? I I'd experienced it. And I just remember in that, and I, I, Tammy and I, we, I think we went, we went out to lunch or something after after the class. And she was just like, oh my gosh, I just can't believe it. And I'm just like, that guy's an idiot. Now Dr. Ellis came and fired that professor the next year. But it was just like, I had a platform and a base because of my parents that Tammy didn't have. And it's not that her parents weren't great. They were great, but she didn't have that religious thing. You know, we say all the time, yeah, well, it's, church. it's, you know, Christianity's not a religion. It's a relationship. Well, it's both. Mm-hmm. It's both. Mm-hmm. And you can't have the relationship without religious practice. It doesn't exist. It's like Tammy and I said, well, we don't, we don't, you know, do the dishes together. We don't talk. We don't, we just have a relationship. Well, okay. But part of our relationship is the religious practice of loving and serving one another and making time for one another and saying no to self for the other. That's that's the practice of marriage that makes the relationship work. So the question we have to ask as Christians is, what are the practices that make my relationship with God work? And one of the dynamic practices is attending church on a regular basis, serving God by serving his church. Everybody thinks they serve God. But what they mean is I serve myself. I'm a good person. Well, yay you. <laughs> serve God by serving his church and study his word. Study God's word. You know, last night we were in small group and one of our small group workers said that they had, Uh, memorize the entire book of Ephesians. And I just thought, I've never done that. I love the book of Ephesians. I've never done that. And this is, you remember what he said? He said, I discovered God in a very unique way by memorizing the entire book of Ephesians. And so I decided I'm going to memorize the book of Ephesians because I want to experience God in that way. And and I want to learn that. And um, I want to devote myself to this. You know, Jesus growing up in the Jewish community would have memorized the entire book of the law, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's crazy. Right? So the Bible says, I have hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You can't just know the truth. You have to hide it in your heart. Mm. Mm. And so what does that mean? And that's why I get so discouraged with people. And let's talk about devotions a little bit uh, because of what I said at the live debrief. I don't hate devotions, which is actually what I said. Sometimes listeners, I say things I don't
2: mean. So let me let me clarify.
3: Um Here's, here's the, my critique of devotions. If I read a devotion, and especially if you're a new Christian, please read, read devotions. If you've been a Christian for 25 years and, and the meal of your day is someone else's time with God, mm-hmm. shame on you. You need to get to the place where you've studied God's word and your devotion is his word. So I think devotions are great if you're dealing with a specific issue. You know, I don't think it's wrong if Tammy and I do a marriage devotion, but I think the best devotion for Tammy and I's marriage is her time with God and my time with God, which is his word. And then we connect together. And the the, the word of God that we've studied comes out in our life. Like I can tell you right now in our, in our bedroom, uh, Tammy reads her Bible every morning and she puts it on the bathtub. She likes to sit in the bathtub and read her Bible and it just sits there and it's okay. open. And that's her time. <laughs> that, that, hey, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, we have Bibles all throughout our house because I can't just pick one. And so sometimes I'm feeling one Bible or the other, but she knows that. And so... I'm going to spend time with God's word. And those things help us to love each other, but it's our personal time with God that impacts our personal time with each other. And so, um, you know, and sometimes we talk about the Bible, you know, not everybody gets to be married to a pastor. And so she gets, uh, what do do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? Uh, And I'm also really surprised at what, (laughs) you know, Tammy, you know, her perspective and her insight on scriptures. And so she blesses me in that way too. But here's where I want you to get is when you are spending time in devotion with God. And what is that? You? You? your Bible in quiet. You, your Bible in quiet. And, you know, start in the gospels, read through the gospels, work, you know, th- those are the first four books of, you know, the story of, of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Don, read those, read Romans, you know, re- read through the, the Bible. And there's, there's some, some weird stuff in the New Testament. And if you don't understand it, move past it. Focus on what you understand. Here's what I would say to every Christian, be obedient to what you understand. And then say, God, I want you to reveal to me in time what this other verse means. But Christians aren't struggling in their relationship with God because of verses they don't understand. They're struggling in their relationship with God because they're not obedient to what they understand. And so we, we have to do that. So I think devotions. I think devotion, time with God is great. If someone else leading you in that is a place to start, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, like for example, if you go to Sandals Church and I wrote a devotional, I think that would be helpful for two reasons. Number one, you have a relationship with me, you know me. And, and you have a relationship with our church. I think that would be very helpful. That's intimate. That's intimacy. We're, we're sharing what me as your pastor. So I think learning from another pastor, that's great. If you know them, if you've studied them, if, if, if they've, you know, if you have a connection with them, that's great. But just randomly picking up and a lot of devotionals are one verse and a lot of thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's is, what as, I meant. As long as a devotional isn't, the substance of your time with God because they are one verse maybe. And then that person's thought on that verse, if that's your check Mark of I read, I had my quiet time today. I think that's where you can go awry. It should not replace your time with God or your actual time getting into God's word. It can be, you know, it can still enhance you. It can still inspire Mm -hmm. you or motivate you or get you thinking critically in a way you didn't do it, but it should be in addition to Mm -hmm. not, the entirety of your time with God and what can happen is people go I have my little my cup uh, uh, what is that one Jesus calling and I read that and that's great but it is just a little tiny bit of God's word and a lot of man's word
3: yeah and well I, you I, and I've I, talked though, I, yeah. about a, a lot of the things that, or, that yeah, women I no,
2: yeah but that, yeah,
3: you've talked though about a lot of you know women that you know <laughs> they follow some woman who claims to be a Christian and their theology is a train wreck. It's a total train wreck. And oh, it's a yeah. bunch of, yeah. a lot of modern Christianity is this cheerleading. You can do it. God believes in you, like what, name it and claim it, whatever's your dream. And it's like, okay, the blessings of God is following his passions and story, not him following our passions and story. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to, the way you learn the story of God is by reading his story. That That's how, that's how you learn it. And so, so much of, Our Christianity, our growth is stunted because we don't know his word. So we talk about Christianity is not a religion. It's about a relationship. Well, Jesus is how we have a relationship with God. The Bible says, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's a reason they picked the word word for Jesus. The way we have a relationship with God is by listening to his words. Right, Tammy and I, we, we can't just stare at each other and have a relationship. We have to actually talk, share, and express words. So God does that primarily through His Word, and so we need to do that. And and again, the best gift you can give to your kids is you studying God's Word. I think kids need to memorize Scripture. Um, I think it needs to be a lot less than a lot of, of what we make them memorize, and they need to memorize less but live more. Mm-hmm. And that's what they need to do. What are the verses that kids need to know and live and focus on those things? Um, because that's really, really important. Um, what does this verse mean? How do I live this out? How do I act this way? Um, and so again, I think devotions are great. Any time with God, I, I'm not gonna complain or whine about any Christian spending time with God. Anything that you read about God, listening to the debrief, you know, can be a time of devotion if it leads you into a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm proud of you that you're not listening to some, you know, junk talk radio or something, and you're listening to this right now. I'm really, really proud of you. And that's a good thing. Paul says this, uh, whatever is good, right, and true, focus on these things. Focus on those things. Think about that. And we need to do that in a world because there's a lot of bad. Um, And so again, you want to grow as a parent. One of my favorite verses is uh Second Timothy three sixteen that the word of God is able to make a man um able to do every good work. So that's a terrible uh, that's like three different translations in one. The word of God is all of God's word is inspired and able to help a man be everything that God's called him to be. And so men and women, we need to memorize second um uh Timothy, Timothy. three sixteen. There we go. Clearly I just screwed it up. But we need to know that verse. Um <clears throat> in one translation, don't do what I did and memorize like four translation. translations. Yeah, the PMB, Slaughtered, NLT, ESV, NIV, <laughs> uh, New New King James Version
0: mm-hmm. translation. You had more of that memorized than I did though. So. Yeah,
1: so. Um, Man, I'm looking forward to uh, your take on Ephesians. It's gonna be so awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so So, just,
3: just make sure that you do that and know that any time with God is a home run. Just mm-hmm. make sure that you spend time with God and it needs to be religiously. And so here's what I would say. My prayer for you as a church is read at least one chapter of God's word every day for the rest of your life at least one chapter and don't ever stop. Mm -hmm. Don't ever stop. And, um, you know, I I try to read as much about God as I possibly can because I want to know as much about God as I possibly
1: can. So, Okay, I think we can close with one last question Mm -hmm. that kind of fits right in to wrap it all up. And I think from the perspective of someone who's not a parent, it's really cool.
0: Yeah, I love this one. It's actually from one of our Sandals Kids volunteers. He says, how much of an impact do our Sandals Kids teams really have on raising great kids? I've served on Sandals Kids teams for years and sometimes it can seem as if we're not reaching the kids as we see the same behavior issues and the same desire not to learn every week. How can we as team members develop a better drive to serve God's kids well?
3: Yeah, so here's the first thing you need to do. Um, kids kids don't always have a desire to learn. Uh, part of being a kin is learning to do what's right. One of the things that's right is learning to, to learn. And so w- we need to encourage them to do that, that God is pleased when they learn about him. So we need to encourage them and challenge them. The other thing that we need to look at is how are we doing it? You know, if, if as a teacher, if all the kids are bored, that's a you problem. Mm-hmm. So you need to look at yourself. You need to have an honest conversation in real kids team and talk about what are some ways that we can, be more excited, more enthusiastic about God. God is the greatest thing on earth. How can we inspire our kids to do that? So part of it is teaching the kids to be excited. Part of it is being excited yourself and preparing and planning and having honest conversations about what's not working. So we can't expect the kids to be more devoted to God than we are. Mm-hmm. We as the adults have to be more devoted. So what are some things that we can change? Um, you know, for, the, for everybody that's heard me teach and preach, you, you can say a lot of things about my teaching. You cannot call it boring.
1: <laughs> right? I,
3: I, in 20 years, I have not been accused of being boring. And, and that's intentional. It's intentional. And, and, and I, I've been criticized as I've had people criticize me as being entertaining. Well, well so, so what's the opposite of that? So the spiritual is boring. So we bore <laughs> people to death and somehow that's more religious. I think that what I bring is enthusiasm. I bring humor, but I also bring God's word. Um, you're getting a ton of God's word every single week but it's captivating. It's inspiring. And I think that's important. How can we make God's word captivating and inspiring for our kids? How can we do that? And, and I think the biggest thing is you need to be captivated and inspired by it yourself. That's where it begins. It begins with you. Um, and, uh, you know, so much of, uh, of, of, of any Christian education is we, we've got to get away from constantly trying to get kids to sit and be still. And so, um, shoot, I'm going to have a conversation with our kids team about how are we allowing boys to be boys and, and to be who God's created them to be because I don't think God created boys to sit still. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, look I, at I, me, I'm
1: just sitting over here <laughs> wiggling. Yeah, just running I just, my I just sorry, sorry for don't kicking
3: think, you in the feet, Tim. Yeah, anyway. that. So we, we need to make sure that we're, you know, we're really, really allowing boys to be boys. And so, um, you know, it, it's just different. Boys and girls are different. And so we need to do, teach them that. I would say this, um, kids are catching more than you think. Um, I, I caught a lot more than I thought I did. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and that stuff is soaking in and kids are catching it, but they're going to catch it by your enthusiasm, by your inspiration and by your love. Love those kids, uh, devote yourself to those kids. Be so glad they're there. Be so excited they're there and celebrate them. Um, that's the best thing. The best way to, um, you know, get kids excited about learning is for you to be excited about it and for you to be excited that they're there. Um, you know, we can all remember growing up as kids, teachers that were excited about their content mm-hmm. and and those teachers inspired us, those teachers connected with us and those teachers impacted us. And so we need to be the same way about God's truth and, and we need to do that. And, and so it is challenging. And also know, you know, have grace for the kids. Some of those kids are coming from, you know, divorced families, difficult mm-hmm. situations. Some of those kids have been abused. Some of those kids are struggling with, you know... Um, they need medication yet and their parents don't know it. So there's all kinds of things that you need to understand. Our job is to love those kids and, and be devoted. I would say be consistent. One of the greatest gifts, you know, Tammy and I uh, have had three kids go through the youth program. Our kid who's had the best experience had the same leader from seventh grade to 12th grade. Mm-hmm. Our kid who had the most difficult situation went through three youth pastors. It was really, really difficult. Went through multiple D group leaders, a lot of heartache and a lot of hurt consistency matters. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember we talked about a couple weeks ago, love, demand, security. The best way to make f- kids feel loved is to be, to make them feel safe and secure, to be consistent. And so that's really, really important. Uh, and I'm really, really passionate about our youth leaders. Um, we want youth leaders that want to be there, that want to serve, that mm-hmm. want to go through life with the kids because everything's changing. They don't need their leadership to
2: change. Mm-hmm.
3: And I think that that's really, really important. So Um. Yeah.
2: I, I totally agree with that. And just, um, all of that. And one of the things I think has been so impactful in Matt and I's parenting life is community. And for our kids, you know, our kids are going to see us and we're going to, you know, try to teach them. They're like, yeah, okay. You're our parents, blah, blah, blah. You have to say that you're our parents, Mm -hmm. but to see other people in our life that are also living it that they're like, wow, I really respect them. And they think this is real too, and they're doing it. I think for our sandals kids workers, uh, thank you so much for volunteering in that way. But also, just know that your presence is saying, is showing these kids, yeah, I believe the same stuff I'm teaching you, and I'm here every week because I, I know it, and I believe it, and it matters that much to me, mm-hmm. and that consistency of, um, they they just need to be surrounded by it, and and the, you being there, yeah, is mm-hmm. so powerful in of itself. And so thank you for being there. Thank you for loving on our kids in that way. And just to know that that does make a difference. Mm -hmm. It really, really does because these kids are saying like, I see all these other grownups who love Jesus too. Mm -hmm. I want to be like that. And it's, um, so much is caught outside of what is being taught in that way.
1: You know, I am the, um, Miss Janie has told me, I think I'm the first person to have ever been fired from volunteering in (laughs) Sandals Kids Ministry. So take what I'm about to say with with a grain of salt. But man, as somebody who is on the stage at our church on the weekends, you guys are not just teaching and serving our children. You're actually serving their parents. Mm -hmm. Man, when you just sit there and you watch, some adults are paying attention. Some of them are trying to balance paying attention to Pastor Matt and then also... Uh, receiving their own experience, but then also parenting because they've got their kids in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you don't see something immediate happening in the lives of the kids, um, you're you're serving those parents, even if it's just for that one hour that you've got them in your your class. And that is and something some that's totally And some of those totally teachers valuable.
2: are their most consistent people in their kids lives oh, mm-hmm. or stable so true. and you may never know that until years later I mean Matt has said to me so many times of I remember Miss so-and-so yeah and how they yeah. you know you may never know that until that kid's an adult and they look back and go my whole world was chaos but on Sundays I had you
0: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. and you were Jesus to me for that time in my life right. and and you may never know but you are depositing such goodness into lives that will matter. You may never know at the side of heaven, but it, it will matter and it may not matter until that hindsight comes of mm-hmm. looking back years later of here's here's those po- those points like that people that our kids will point to one day and say, when so and so was my leader right. and they mm-hmm. showed me this. And then it was so and so like you are holding such an important part of the baton in that kid's life right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Yeah. I even
0: think of like those kids that are, you know, with some of the questions from above. Like, you've got one parent who's trying to get you to go to church and one parent who's mm-hmm. off the, you've those, as the Samuels kids team member, you're on the side of the parent that's trying to teach mm-hmm. these kids about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you're another voice in that that's helping point them to God. And I just think that's really cool. Like, you're yeah. part of the team, whether yeah. you even know what's happening in the kids' life or not. Yeah. So.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, Stephanie, there's a lot of goodness in there. Are you ready to push this baby out and get to work?
0: Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Boom, <laughs> boom.
1: Excellent show. All kinds of goodness. Uh, you can find all the information at debrief.show. You can support us by texting give debrief to 951 941 4120 YouTube people, hope you appreciated the new beautiful.
3: <laughs> yeah, check us out on camera. I, I'm actually going to watch. These nice new ca- these new cameras are legit. Like <laughs> yes. It's crazy. I can't
2: just roll in anymore. Yeah. Right exactly. to gym. yeah. I'm going to have to brush
3: my teeth from now on. Peace. Oh, that'd
2: be good. Bye.